Thank you for visiting PulpitPower.com, promoting old-fashioned, Holy Spirit-anointed preaching from the Word of God. It is our prayer that the following message would be a blessing to you and draw you closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you wish to email us, the address is master at pulpitpower.com. I want you to go to 1 Kings 17.1. 1 Kings 17.1. If you do not have a Bible, let us help you get one. But if you are here tonight without a Bible, the King James Version of the Scripture is on the screen. And so you can follow along with us if you'd like to uh, there or in your Bible or look on with a neighbor. They'll be glad to share with you. Look at 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 1. Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand... There shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Let me read that one more time. It's just one verse. It says, Elijah the Tishbite was uh, of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, who was at that time king of Israel, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, or what I'm about to tell you hinges on, and is packed with the truthfulness and the testimony of God's life. Boy, this has got to happen. I mean, it's just got to happen. He is, he's laying his words and his prophecy on the existence of God. As the Lord God of Israel liveth, boy, that king was set up on his ear now. He said, before whom I stand, I could preach right there for 30 minutes. Standing before an almighty God. Oh, he said, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. I want to lift out of this phrase, or out of this verse, out of this stanza of Scripture, a phrase, as the Lord God of Israel liveth. And I want to preach on this subject. God is alive and well. God is alive and well. Our Father, now I'm not talking to a crippled up, near dead, arthritic, about done God. I'm talking to a God who is alive and and well on planet earth. I pray tonight, Lord, that you would so encourage this congregation. I pray you would so encourage these preachers. I pray tonight, oh God, you would fill my heart with enthusiasm and fill my heart with courage as I try my best to extol the Lord Jesus and exalt His Word above mine. Lord, we'll give you praise and glory and honor and thanksgiving for what you do tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, and for His sake we ask it. Amen. And you can be seated. God, oh, 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 Elijah said, before the God before whom I stand. And just above that, he said, as the Lord God of Israel liveth. In other words, he said, God is alive and well. Now, there are several places in this chapter that I want to correlate, if I can, the living God and the living situation and see where God's alive and well in that situation. Go with me first of all, if you will, please. God is alive and well when the beauty has departed. When the beauty has departed. First Kings chapter 16. That's just before this one. Look at verse 30. It says, And Ahab was the son of Omri. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now listen to this. Above all that were
before him. Ahab was one wicked dude. He was one mean individual. He was absolutely godless. He instituted godless laws. He instituted a godless society and philosophy. But I want to stop long enough to tell you this and for you to see this. God was still alive and well, though the beauty of God had departed. You see, God was not in His awesome power uh, in charge of Israel at this time. They had backed away from Him. They had backed off from Him. They had backslidden. Instead of being front-driven, they were backslidden, cold, indifferent, and carnal. Yes, it does. Sounds just like North Augusta. Sounds just like America. And I want to say something to you tonight. The beauty had departed from Israel, but God's grace and power was no less powerful than it was when He's in charge. I want to tell you the atmosphere does not negate God's power. The very tone of sin does not negate God's power. The homosexual may run rampant with his same-sex marriage, but that does not negate God's power. Are you listening to what I'm saying? The porn world may broadcast on the Internet and have websites everywhere, and the beauty might have departed from this nation somewhat. But I want to tell you, God has not backed up to Miami and has not lifted everything that's His and hauled out. God is still powerful. God is still almighty. I want to charge this Baptist church tonight. I want to instill in this Baptist congregation tonight. Though hell might be raging, and though the scenes might be splitting, I come to tell you, hallelujah, God is alive and well. The beauty had departed. <laughs> they had their Lewinskys. They had their whoremongers. They had their filth. They had their idol worship. They had their money mongers. They had it all. But God was still alive and well. I look at our state of affairs and state of the union, and I see a school system going to hell because they've taken heaven right out of it. But I want to tell you something. That doesn't mean that we can't teach our children that God is alive and well. I'm glad to know tonight that crowd of heathen down there might be pumping their poison a doubt in a moment, but I want to tell you, I want to charge this congregation, God's still alive, God's still activated, and God's still well. When you listen to your television, when you read your newspaper, when you go on your internet for media coverage, they're not going to tell you this, so this is the only shot I got. They're not going to broadcast the gospel truth that no matter how down and dirty it gets, no matter how filthy it becomes, no matter how degraded it might be, I don't care how deep the sewer runs, God is still alive and well. Number two, not only was God alive and well when the beauty had departed, but when the blessing was detained. When the blessing was detained. Nobody lives like they want to and gets by with it. You may live like you want to, 
but you won't get by with it. You say, I am. Yeah, but the last song of your chorus hadn't been sung yet. The last stanza of your little song hadn't been sung yet. But you better look out. They may be tuning up. You say, I'll do as I please. You might for a while, because there's pleasure in sin for a season. You might think I'm getting away with it. I'm getting by with it. Hey, so what? I'm going to tell you something. God knows how to cut your water off. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 17 and 1, He said, There shall not be dew. Now, He, he started off with dew. He didn't start off with rain. He said, There's not going to be any rain, but I want to tell you all something. God ain't going to just play with you. He's going to cut off the fog, the mist, the possibility. Your sins have come up to the nostrils of God as a stench and a degradation and a filth. And He said, you'll pay for this. And the Bible says, old Elijah stepped up and he said, you've had your way, you've had your say. He said, but I'm here to tell you that the water is all. There will not be any water for three years, nor rain, nor you will fall. Now listen to me. But that did not stop God from being God. I want you to notice two things. When the blessing was detained, He positioned His man where the blessing was. He positioned His man. He spoke unto Elijah, and He said, Now Elijah, you have prophesied what I told you. You have told the truth. He said, now I want you to get yourself down by the brook Cherith. And he said, there's going to be a brook there. And he said, I'll take care of you down there. And so in the midst of the drought, in the midst of nothing to drink, in the midst of the prophecy, in the midst of the judgment, in the midst of the truth, in the midst of Ahabism and Jezebelism, in the midst of ungodliness, God, good God, I feel like preaching a little bit. In the midst of all that whoredom, in the midst of all that trash, in the midst of all that godlessness, in the midst of all of that, God said, I got a place for you. So he positioned his man. And it was where there was water. God gave the preacher, God gave his man, who was faithful to his word, a word from him out of position by him, and put him by the brook where judgment could not fall. <laughs> now, he positioned his man. Not only that, but he, he provided his means. Now, get this. He said, here's a brook where you can get water. He said, now every afternoon and every morning, read it. Don't look at me strange. Read it. Every morning and every night, birds, ravens flew in with hoe cake bread. Amen. That had been dipped in pinto beans cooked in cow pen. And flew in every morning, flew in every night, and fed his man in his place. I want to tell y'all something tonight. I come to tell you. You're not going to hear this on the internet. You're not going to hear this on, on MSNBC. You're not going to hear this on CNN. You're not going to hear this on Fox. You're not going to hear this on Skunk. You're not going to hear this on Possum. You're not going to hear this nowhere but right here in the house of God or somewhere of like semblance to this. You're not going to hear it. But I come to tell you. I don't care how dry it gets. I don't care how dismal it gets. I don't care how depressed it gets. I don't care how damnable it might get. Praise God. I'm glad he said, I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed out begging for bread. God has a position placed for his children. 
God is no less God because the devil is more devil. God is no less able to feed us, to care for us, and to take care of us. I don't care what the what the what the petroleum people say. I don't care what the bread maker says. I don't care what the electricity people say. I don't care what what green stands Everybody's got their blood pressure up. Three degrees tonight. Over a quarter of a point of an interest rate. It ain't no harder for God to flick his finger and provide for the man, woman, boy, girl walking with him. I, uh, why, that ain't nothing for him to do. He can do that on his lunch hour for every child of God. Don't you get all bent out of shape. Don't you start planning to stay home and barricade yourself in and build a bomb shelter because the demons have told you that you're going to suffocate living for Jesus. Blessed be God, I come to tell you tonight, God is alive and well. I come to tell you, God is no less God. God is no less God. God's alive and God's doing things. When the blessing is detained, we're living in America right now, waiting on the greatest blessing of our experience, the coming of Jesus. How many of you would like to have a house with no payment book? Well, with this poor crowd, I can arouse an amen up real easy. How many of you would like to live on streets that never have potholes? They, they're just made out of gold right out in front of your house. How many of you want to go to a place where the river of life runs freely right through the middle of it and there's 12 different kinds of fruit, one every month, on the trees, on the banks of the river of life. Hallelujah. Where no ambulances firing uh, blankets the air. Where no doctor reports for work. Where no nurse wears a stethoscope. Where no heart patient has to report in for a cast. Where nothing transpires and looks like a hospital. Where God Almighty moves in power and reigns in glory. Hallelujah to His name. We're waiting on that detained blessing. <laughs> but I want to tell all of you something. God ain't no little midget. And God is not no little firecracker. He's still dynamite. He's still God. He's still almighty. I come as an ambassador tonight. I come as a mouthpiece tonight. I come to tell you, He's alive and well. And He's coming back. Somebody help me pray. Don't you sit around and gnaw on your fingernails. Don't you sit around and believe in evil reports. Don't you sit around and listen to half the Baptists you know. Don't you sit around and listen to negative talk and negative issues. Don't you sit around and wonder, when when my grandchild's going to work? He's going to work where God employs him. I don't know what in the world my daughter's going to do. And my boys, I want to tell you there are bleak looks on the horizon. I want to tell you we've come through some bleak times. But I got to stop and I got to out. And I've got to say, in the midst of it all, God is alive and well and has no potential of even getting sick. That's why the God is dead theory will never work. You've got to get sick to die. And if you can't get sick, death has to walk off and say, what am I going to do with him? Are you listening? When the beauty is departed. Let me tell you something about America. You can believe that Christian nation stuff if you want to, but we're as pagan and as ungodly and as filthy as anything in the deepest, darkest bottom of Africa. 
you could find as much or more of Jesus in some of those in some of those heathen colonies than you can find in New York City. But I come to tell you something. God's alive and well in America. And He has not given up because we have Ahab on our trail. Thank God He's alive and well when the blessings detained. You're waiting on God to do something for you? Well, I want to tell you something. God's not in a coma needing somebody to wake Him up for you so He can do something for you. God's alive and well when the blessing is detained. Number three, He's alive and well when the brook is dry. When the brook is dry. Yes, sir. He, he says, He says, Ahab! You think you're stealing the beauty. Ahab! Jezebel! You think you're the prettiest thing around and you think somehow you've got all the glory. And because you have a little governmental authority, you think you're going to knock God off His roost? Why, you're crippled too high for crushes. You're crazy. A psychologist couldn't help you. Because God's still alive and well. You think because the blessing hadn't fallen yet or the blessing hadn't come yet or, or, or the blessed Savior hadn't shown up for us yet means He's not coming? In the last days, scoffers shall come. The Bible says, screaming, Where is this coming? <laughs> Praise God, I'm here to tell you I have an answer. Soon and very soon we go see the King. God said there's a brook down here. The birds are flying on schedule every morning. They'll come. Every night they'll come. And then He's God when the brook dries up. Now listen, have you ever got real comfortable in God's provision? Have you ever gotten real comfortable in God's solution? Have you ever gotten real comfortable and sat down and thought, man, this is a warm and fuzzy feeling to have God meeting all my needs, to have God working in my life like He has? Oh, I want to tell you something. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes God will walk by and pull the plug on your brook. Sometimes God will walk by and pull the plug on your refreshment. Sometimes God will walk by and pull the plug on your confidence. And He'll pull the plug where you're drinking. Because all of a sudden you think you're somebody. Or all of a sudden you think you're the only one. Or all of a sudden you think you deserve a drink of God's provision. And all of a sudden God will let, will let the, 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 the plug be pulled. But may I say, usually the greatest reason that God pulls the plug is that we get to trusting in the brook instead of the provider of the brook. And we get to trusting in the drink instead of the delight of the one who gave us the, the, the drink. And we get, we get to depending on what we have instead of who we have and what He's doing for us. And He'll say, all right, get your last drink, honey, it's over. He'll pull the plug and your brook dries up. But I want to tell you something about a dried up brook in the Christian's life. God is alive and well. I remember at Broad Street, 28 people in an in a, in a auditorium that seated about 680. <laughs> the first time I preached there, it looked like Nat at Pollard's Lumber Company. I mean, there were seats everywhere. Lumber everywhere. Pews but no people. Twenty-eight people was at the first meeting. I had the privilege of watching, and I'm wording this correctly, I had the privilege of watching the Holy Ghost put right at 450 to 500 in it every week. God was moving. And they will tell you, if you could find them all, they would tell you, Glad and glorious day in the house of God. I was preaching one Sunday night, and God turned the water off. I mean, the Lord was done with them in that particular setting and me in that particular setting. I could not get the mind of God on nothing. I would preach and stutter. I've not said, I don't think ever told this particular part of the testimony of that ministry. But I, I I literally got up in the morning and would go around to Jolly's restaurant that used to be across from the old Sacred Heart Catholic Church. 
I'd go over there and eat. And Bobby McKenzie, I wanted to Jesus, the owner, and Barrett, and she was a member of this church. We would sit and talk about Jesus uh, in the mornings, and I'd eat an egg and sausage biscuit with her and drink coffee, and we'd talk about God. And I'd sit there, and she said, Preacher, i got to go to work. I said, I wish I didn't have to. I didn't want to go down there. Every time I went down there, I have driven by there and kept going because my heart wasn't in it any longer. I mean, God, somebody asked me, how do you know when it's over where you are? You ain't never had it get over where you are if you got to ask somebody. You'll know when you can't go to the bathroom. You'll know when you can't open your Bible and read it and get a thought, not even a, a, a decent one, not even a lack of a thought will come. God had turned it off. I would preach and nobody would come. I'd preach and nobody would get better. I'd preach and folks, honest to goodness, folks was like wooden Indians. I didn't go on long before I said, Lord, I can't do this any longer. I can't keep going. I've known nothing but you standing in that pulpit with me. I've known nothing but your good coziness around. I can't do this. Holy Ghost, help Nothing came. It got worse. I'd go home and cry. Diane would ask me why. I said, I don't know. It just isn't there any longer. The church begged me to take a month off. Go somewhere. Here's enough money. Take your wife and go. For God's sake, don't leave us and let us go back to 28 from 450. I mean, why in the world is this going time when it's going so good? I have found out usually when God wants you to go, it's good. Most of the time when you want to go, it ain't no good. You better put that somewhere in your sack lunch because you'll have to eat that lonely sandwich. I feel the Lord wants me to go. Why? Because <laughs> ain't nobody left. You done run everybody off. God bless you. You have done a wonderful work here. Here I am with a house full, and I got up and said, it's over. The brook dried up. But I must testify. That's all I want to say about that. I want to say this. I found him to be alive and well when the brook dried up. I found him to be everything I needed in a dried up brook. I found him to be uh, at front and central when I needed him. I mean, he was standing at attention. And when I followed his blessed will and done what he told me, as crazy as it sounded and as dumb as I thought it was, I stood up and resigned and praised God. I heard the brook running again. God will dry you up. In some situations, but never to leave you there. Because He's God, alive and well. And He'll do something else with you. As we move on, you'll see it. Number four. Not only when the beauty is departed, not only when the blessing is detained, when the brook is dry, but when the barrel is depleted, <laughs> you'll find God able to feed you when Kroger can. You'll find God able to feed you when the food bank is bankrupt. You'll find God standing somewhere in the shadows when you need Him most. In your barrel of provision and supply. God, listen to this. I, I'm just sort of preaching now from my heart because my notes can't dictate what i got to say. But the barrel is depleted and the brook is dried up. Where, why does God dry the brook up? To drive the source of inspiration and to drive the source of provision out of His comfort zone of selfishness out of his comfort zone of him getting a good drink only, out of his comfort zone of the birds flying in and feeding him under the tree, drove him into Zarephath 
where there was a little old widow woman that could not make it any longer. She was picking up sticks so she could make that last little piece of bread so that her son and her could eat it and die. God, hallelujah, is right on time. He knows when the brook needs to dry up. He knows when the little old woman's about to go under. So he goes down there where a barrel is about to be depleted. And he says, you think you're excited about the brook. You think you're excited about the water. You think you're excited about the birds. Good God Almighty, son, tell that woman what I told you to say. God said, Elijah, quit moaning over a dried up brook and start shouting over a God who is alive and well at the barrel. Have you ever noticed he told her to go get him a little water? It ain't rained for three and a half years. He was asking something difficult of that woman. Go get water. And she's walking off thinking, well, we might be able to find a little bit, but I don't know. He said, hey, lady, bring some bread with you too. She had to turn around. She said, look, I, I was going to keep my mouth shut about the water because I thought maybe my neighbor might have got to bail me out. But I can't do nothing about the bread because I'm just making these sticks together I'm going to build a fire. And my, my boy, and I don't know how, I'm going to tell him this, but we fixed to eat our last meal. And that old boy said, it ain't all wrote down, but here's what I know he said. If he had wrote it down, this is what you'd have heard. He said, God is alive and well. I talked to him at my little dried up pond. I talked to him at my little dried up brook. Back down to where I felt like everything was going to be all right. Back yonder where God was taking care of me real good. Back yonder where I was comfortable. Back yonder where it was easy. Back yonder in Bible college. Back yonder where all my bills was paid. Back yonder where everything was cozy. Back yonder where everything was rosy. Good God, I feel like a Pentecostal tonight. I mean, back yonder where everything was perverted. God shut it down. And he said, I reckon you're the only one I've seen out in the street, so I reckon he wants me to tell you. God's alive and well. Amen. She said, you go make that cake. You bring that water. You give it to me. She looked sort of skeptical, but she did what he said because there wasn't no reason not to. What's one last meal or more? And I want to say something to you. Whatever you got in your hand right now and God asked for it, it is the to your next provided provision. But as long as you hold on to what you think you need, you will never have what Jesus has for you. Somebody help me praise Him tonight. How many of you glad God is alive and well at a barrel depleted? Somebody's here tonight with nothing. Somebody's here tonight with a two-week notice. Some people aren't here tonight because of a two-week notice. Some people aren't here tonight because of problems and difficulties and all kinds of heartaches because the barrel is depleted. And they don't see any way out because they're looking at the physical provision instead of the spiritual power. <laughs> You've got to see God alive and well. You can't see the barrel empty. You've got to see God alive and well. You can't see one more cake. You've got to see God alive and well. You can't see the water depleting. You've got to see God alive and well. My God can supply all your needs according to His riches and glory. By Christ Jesus. <laughs> the AARP, a, 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 what is it, American Association of Retired Persons, they keep bugging me. I don't know why. I gave them Charles Baxter's number. 
They're sending me stuff on voting to save Social Security. And all through it is fear factors. All through it is fear. Big old red print. You don't want it to go under, do you? Your whole life is, is hinging on Social Security. I wanted to cuss. I ain't done yet either. I absolutely wanted to pull somebody out of that letter and choke them to death. If you think for a minute, I'm, 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 I am even close to depending on that crowd to cook me a hot dog or for that crowd to keep me alive. Praise God! I don't know what Social Security is going to do, but I come to tell the house of God tonight, Jesus is alive and well. Give Him glory and praise. My barrel and its content is under divine surveillance. And I'm shouting the victory. He's alive and well. Hallelujah. Amen. One more. <laughs> the beauty is departed. They have been charged. What are we going to do? What's that guy running against Bush? What are we going to do if Kerry gets elected? What are we going to do if Bush gets elected? Same thing. We're going to run all over this country. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. Good God Almighty. He's alive. And well, I suggest we put Jesus on the ballot. As a writing account. The audacity of that bunch of thieves. Sit up there to Pennsylvania Avenue and talk about if God exists or not. He ought to fry them like little meatballs. And then resurrect them in mercy. But let them know they could be a meatball again in it. The beauty in this country is gone. The beauty in this country is done. There's only one thing that is beautiful tonight on planet Earth, and that is the worship, the praise, and the glory that goes into the arms of an outstretched Savior who's weeping and wondering, what in God's name are you thinking? when you cut me out of everything. The whole kindergarten stuff. They can color Snuffy Smith or they can color Dagwood or they can color Goofy or they can color Mickey or Minnie. And they can believe that them things exist as characters. They can't even call the name of God. When I started preaching 36 years ago, this pulpit was respected. Houses of God. When the riots came to Augusta, when Maddox was governor, I was going back and forth to college pastoring at Broad Street. And the house of God on the corner of 20 Broad Street became a haven for people, black and white, trying to get off the street. It was full of people. I mean, all the people who slept on the floors and on the pews, all different kinds and colors and shit. Because they got caught in the afternoon of the riots the other end of Broad Street. And the house of God was the church. I've seen it go from respected to questioned, from questioned to scrutinized, from scrutinized to hated. And it's not the body and I hate to see, to see treated like it is, though I hate to see God's, but they're God's people, and He's alive and well. He'll take care. But I'm going to tell you what bothers me, that they thumb their nose that concrete of it, God, and treat Him like a curd dog and cut Him out of everything. I mean, the beauty is departed, but He's alive and well. 
the blessing is detained, but he's alive. And well, oh, the brook is dried up. But praise God, he's still the water of life. And the barrel's depleted, but we still got bread. And then the boy's deceased. But God's still alive. And well, the little old girl, the little old widow said, I'm gathering up these sticks and, and I'm going to make bread and, and we're going to eat and we're going to come out of this little cruise of oil and, and me and my son are going to eat it and die. He said, no, here's how we're going to do it. You're going to get some water and you're going to make that bread, but you're going to let me eat first and then the meal and the oil will stay until the rain comes. And she did as the prophet said and sure enough, what, notice this, Watch what you say because what she prophesied happened. What she said in doubt. I've never seen this till today. What she spoke in doubt happened. She said, we're going to cook this little last cake and die. And he did. With the meal barrel full of meal and the oil, every time they took a cup out, another cup was added. But the boy died at her word. What was God trying to say? He was trying to say you can't live by what you see or what you feel or how you figure. You listen to the man of God and you listen to the word of God. And in verse number 22, old Elijah cried out and said, Lord, this whole situation looks bad. I asked you to touch this boy. The Bible says that in verse 17, I think it is, there was no breath in him. There was no life in him. He was so sore sick that there was no breath in him. But the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came unto him again and he revived. I want to say something to you and shut up. God is still alive and well even though the most precious thing in your existence right now is dying. I must apply this under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Your marriage is sick. And there's no breath left in it. And it's dying. I'm here to tell you by the power of God Almighty, just because Satan has threatened your existence, just because Satan has threatened your relationship, just because Satan has come against your child or children, just because Satan has tried to threaten you with a negative report, I come to tell you tonight, the boy may be deceased, the marriage may be dying, the finances might be crippled, the health report might be dooming and damning, but I come to tell you, God is alive and well, and resurrection is capable and life is doable, and life is renewable, and revival can come to that which is dying if you'll believe God tonight. Some of us are living with dying dreams. Some of us are living with dying vision. Some of us are living with dying perception. We're living with things we feel like are slipping right through our hands. I come to tell you, God is no less God because death is more death. And whatever the devil has told you is going to take you out, I come to tell you, the worst that can happen to you is heaven. I didn't come to North Augusta to stay. I hope I get to stay with y'all, my earthly existence. But I want to tell y'all, past the rapture, I don't give a rip about this place. Sometimes the devil can move into your Sunday school class and make it look anemic and sick. Sometimes the devil can move into the choir and the music and like what we want. It's not doing sometimes what we feel it should. Sometimes the pulpit is aggressively charged by demonic overcast. And he'll come after us. Teacher, preacher, singer, student, member. But I come to tell you, 
in the midst of the devil's threat of you die, God is alive and well. God is alive and well. <laughs> Little old woman I first met on the radio, her name was Mabel Bird. has her hands folded. Death is all over. Death is around her. Death is in the room. I can hear death and corruption conversating. I can hear death and corrosion speaking in the past tense. I can see death rejoicing and shouting over the fact he's fixing to take one out. <laughs> but this little old woman reaches out of that tent and pulls me under that tent and hugs me and gives me a good report and praises God for me and gives me a challenge from this side of the grave. Her little bony arms still feel around my neck tonight. Her little bony warm arms pulled me down and, and felt like two crowbars pulling down on my neck and pulled me close and gave me a good report. I got outside of the tent and she was there, sick as she could be, there, emaciated in her body, there, just moments from dying. I walked out of the room after prayer. I did not get turned around the corner good till a nurse went by me and went in that room and another one came and I stood back and they went in and that green line was not fibrillating up and down or pulsating, but it was a line straight across. She had gone to be with God. Death stood there and had a conversation over. Corruption was vying for her body. But God was standing on the other side of the bed saying, I'm alive and well, honey. It's all right. In just a few minutes, I'm going to carry you somewhere beside St. Joseph. And I want to tell you, when, when time comes to deceive, he'll be alive. And when he has resurrection power to bring you back, or he has deliverance power to take you in. Either way, Somebody help me pray. Let's stand together, please. God is alive and well. <laughs> I don't know how long I will be if I keep preaching like that, but hallelujah, He is. <laughs> he is. He's alive and well. And if I die doing this, please don't come up here and mess with me. Just go on to the house and call Elliot and tell him he's over there on the pulpit. Go get him. Don't mess with me because I don't want nobody touching the happiest man who ever kicked off. Aren't you glad tonight we're living in the midst of a country that is as, as corrupt and gone as it can get, but God is still alive and well? <laughs> Aren't you glad of it? Somebody's waiting on a blessing, but it's detained. God is no less God while you're waiting. God's no less God while you're planning, while you're pushing, and while you're praying. Hey, has your book dried up? Is it not as moist as it used to be? Is it not as flavored as it used to be? Is it dry? Jonathan McNeese called me the other night. He said, have you got an outline I can use tomorrow? He said, it's as dry as cracker juice in Columbus. I said, that's dry. Cracker juice. Is it dry as cracker juice? Beverly? It's difficult trying to raise them two young By the way, publicly, I want to say something to you. I marvel and rejoice and thank God we got people in this church who have been as ladylike and as mama-like and as woman-like as you have in this situation. To God be the glory. And it looks like, well, will it ever be different? I know how you think. 
Will I ever be? Will I ever have? Will I ever again not feel used? Oh, yeah. But don't forget about the little widows down at the stick gathering place. Don't forget about the hungry folks that ain't got nothing to eat. Don't forget about the future of that one that's going to kick off down there because if Elijah had not been down there when the boy died, he'd still be dead. God never moves you from a dried up brook that he don't fill your pond. I think in the day, you know what I feel the most tonight? Is that you're going to leave. You know what I fear here? I don't fear I won't have nothing to preach. I don't fear I won't have this or that because I've, I've been here with nothing. I came here with nothing. I, I stayed here a while for nothing. And I ain't worried about staying here another while or, or ending up here with nothing. You know the fear I live in? If that water be turned off again like it was. Every time I come to church and there's still a drip out of that faucet, I say, <laughs> See, every time we baptize, y'all look at you at your watch and wonder when you're going to get your sandwich. I'll say, praise God one more time. The evidence that God is alive and well. How many of you join around this altar tonight? And in the midst of all of that, barrel depleted, vision dying, victory dying, marriage dying, health dying. I need to know tonight that God is alive and well. Come on, come on, come on. Play something for us, Doug. Oh, God. I need a jacket. A coat. Hallelujah. Come on, come on, that's it. Come on. Come on. 